Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the Med Talk podcast. I'm sorry if I sound a bit weird, but I've had a little bit of a cough and cold. I've not been going on about it. Yeah, no, I've not, not been <laughs> no. telling people about it, but uh, trying to keep it to myself. But just well, in do, case anyone's do. bothered, I, I've had a bit of a cough and a cold. Let's start this show. Right, okay, I'll kick off and try and stay awake for my one if you can. Right, now, what's the most exciting thing in healthcare at the moment? Digital health. Nope. 3D printing. Nope. Uh, pen tech. Nope. Big data. No. Wearables. No. Ooh, odor eaters. Maybe not exciting, but it's the thing that everyone's talking about. Odor eaters. <laughs> They're not talking about them. <laughs> okay. Um, Cybersecurity. Nearly. Uh, apps. Oh, it's going to be such a letdown when you know what it is. <laughs> Should we know this? Yes. Oh, God. But you're, the, you're a bit of an expert on it, Reese. Oh, oh, we're blockchain. Blockchain. Right. So <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff about it at the moment and the hype around it. And this guy from Data Art, Dennis Baranoff, has said that it's got a lot of limited use. Mm. Um, but from what he said... I'm thinking it's not really that limited. So basically, what he's saying is that um, it's not the be-all and end-all, but it does have some uses. So, for example, tracking drugs, so it can help with counterfeiting. Mm -hmm. Immutability, you can't change or delete the data within the sequence. And there's some companies like Pfizer that are working on this. And then the other one is hacking. (coughs) Sorry, I think I've got your cough. (laughs) Sorry. (coughs) That's very quick. Yeah. Um... And in the pharma sector in particular, they're saying that they can use it now to fix the opioid crisis because they can track a drug along the whole system and they can spot where it leaks out into you know, somebody's hands that shouldn't have it or if a patient is getting more than one drug from different oh, okay. doctors. Mm-hmm. That's obviously a US thing rather than in the UK. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I think it's quite big, really. It's not... I think, like, the pharma side of it in particular, that's a huge topic, isn't it? Yeah. For you. Definitely in the serialisation section, yeah, the anti-counterfeiting and stuff. Well, on the the other side of blockchain and healthcare is also clinical trials. Did you mention clinical trials? No, I didn't. Well, Reese, you and I went out to Empty Connect in Nuremberg a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago. Yeah, I did. And we sat in on a session from a guy who's actually actually developing his own cryptocurrency for clinical trials. So it's basically um, his way of trying to incentivize people to participate in clinical trials. Um, but it also oh, by paying them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so it was described as like an open platform which people can join, um, if they're selected by the healthcare professional. Yeah. Um, and then the incentive is that you get paid in a cryptocurrency for joining through their mobile phone or whatever platform it's based on. they just be paid in normal money? Well, it links in, um, I suppose it links in uh, with real world, uh, well, uh, okay, let me, let, me, yeah. let me go back, so yeah, to answer your question, um, the, f- the fund, he was crowdfunding for this, wasn't he? I think so, so yeah. So he was, he was looking for investors, um, and it is real money, I mean, cryptocurrency, ultimately is 
Yeah, yeah, you translates can, into yeah, real. You can, you can buy things with it. Yeah. There's nothing limited about that. No, but I mean, why couldn't you just pay them in like pounds? Well, is it not because cryptocurrency is generated using blockchain, so it would be inherently linked to the technology that's being used on? So, the platform he's developing, it, it uses blockchain, and that generates its own cryptocurrency, ah. perhaps? Ah, no. Oh, ah. gosh, you just remind, You've just reminded <laughs> me. Yeah, sorry, I was floundering there. You really put, <laughs> put, put me on the ropes with that question. Um, so complicated, though. What he was hoping was to create a cryptocurrency that works around a healthcare system. So oh. if you are a patient with diabetes and somebody is trying to test a new drug or a device for diabetes and they want to put it through a clinical trial and they need mass recruitment mm. you could offer this cryptocurrency out and in countries where you pay for healthcare that eventually would translate into tokens for your healthcare provision so it was about That's creating so. a currency that works okay. at every stage of the healthcare system globally, globally yeah, okay. from clinical trial right up to care provision so was he working with insurance companies and things then well, yeah, I think um, he was. He's only one year. He's only going for a year. Mm. So um, basically, the presentation was his business plan and his projections. So right. he hasn't even released the cryptocurrency yet. He's got the first round mm. going in. I think later this year in summertime. So it is quite exciting. Mm. Very and exciting. That sort of thing is because yeah. obviously there's the other side of it as well, isn't there? The data side. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's, it's been that we know about. Yeah, towered as yeah. a way for medical records to be. Yeah. linked up and simplified and then sometimes like securely so as well yeah and I think the other thing they're saying now is that your medical records can be put into your hands and then you decide yeah. who sees them rather than it being the mm-hmm. other way around mm-hmm. and this is one way of enabling that using this technology. Mm-hmm. well that's already that's happened though isn't it in the states wasn't there something that you did we looked at recently which was um, uh, an app or something for patients uh, so yeah, yeah, is that not the Apple one? Apple yeah, just yeah. launched a medical, me, uh, medical records feature on the iPhone, um, which I think there's like a handful of providers in, in the US have signed up for, so patients. Because mm. that's patient record stuff is massive in the US, isn't it? Yeah, yeah so, but yeah, it, it's also a little bit easier in the US, yeah. well, because it, it's not a, it, you know, it's not one single system. That's, mm. it, it's private healthcare, essentially. Mm. Um, so that's why... There aren't the challenges of integration. Yeah, there aren't any challenges of that, and they can hospitals hospitals can opt into to to, uh, to these features. Mm. Which probably links into why people can get drugs from multiple physicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is harder to do in this country. Yeah, yeah, it's it always yeah, it a record. Yeah, well, that is interesting. It was good talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was good. Um, okay. I think blockchain, much like digital health is going to be sort of overhyped for a while yeah. before you see its real yeah. uses. Mm. But it's interesting that when you get all the technologies yeah. that are coming out of it. Mm. You're quite, you're always, you always err on the conservative side of these things. I'm well, it's, it's because you do get a lot of hype around, <coughs> you know, emerging technologies. Yeah, and see, I like to embrace the hype. Oh, right. Yeah, it's like the next big thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then it dies down mag. and then you see the real <laughs> uses. Yeah. No, it's good. It provides balance for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So that was my one. I like it. Yeah, sparked a good discussion. Um, I have one which um, is about a device which is not not a new device. We've actually reported on it. Do we need to do a little tune before you talk about your device? Yeah, go on. You sing it. You're the singer. (laughs) With them as a tune. 
Yeah, it's the liver in a box. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I see what you mean, yeah. Oh, I can't sing. Oh, well, neither can I, so I'm not doing it. Can anyone <laughs> sing? No. Okay, okay I'll leave it. <laughs> Maybe we... <laughs> Certainly not 80 songs. <laughs> Maybe we'll see if we can get the rights to that song and we'll just play oh, yeah, it. We better, yeah, we, we, and we haven't got a PRS licence, have we? So we no. better not do any singing. Yeah. We've got the budget to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, yeah, well, Lou's kind of given it away there, but Liver in a Box um, is kind of it kind of linked to what this is. Um, the device has been going around for a few years, or rather it's been under development for a few years, and we actually wrote about the materials um, that went into making it back in 2013. Um, but it's now... Follow your thing. <laughs> I think it will. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but it's now... Um, it's now going to be in use routinely in the UK. Um, this was actually on the BBC. It's starting at Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge. And it's a liver perfusion machine. So, um, the one of... <laughs> Is that like an air purifier? No. It's <laughs> <laughs> <I did. laughs> a serious thing, guys. It's the way you said it. Like, every home should have one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I perfuse my liver mildly. It's a good idea. <laughs> Anyway, um, this is actually a fantastic bit of kit because um, it, they're saying that Addenbrooke's anyway, they could it could result in an extra fifty four liver transplants over the next two years, um, which in liver transplant terms is a pretty significant mm. um, thing because there's a lot of people on waiting lists for um, liver transplants, as you know. And one of the reasons that people end up waiting so long is not necessarily due to a shortage of donor organs, but it's actually um, when you when you freeze a, a liver, um, there's a question when you come to perform the operation as to whether or not it's been damaged during the freezing process. And um, doctors can kind of veto it if they feel that it would be unsafe because if you if you put a if you transplant a damaged liver then the patient will die. Um, so what this does is it mimics the natural surroundings of a liver and keeps it functioning, keeps it producing okay. enzymes and all the rest of it. It actually keeps it warm so it's the opposite. So they don't mm-hmm. need to freeze it, they, it just they don't need to freeze it and ideally, you know, as soon as you can get your donor organ into the machine, um, in theory you can keep it functioning as a um, as if it was inside liver. a human person. As if it was inside a human body. Yeah. Is it a um, a UK device, is it, or is it? It's a UK yeah. company. It's developed it. Yeah, um, the company is called. Is it Organox? Is Organox. It? Yeah. Organox. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and so yeah, it supplies the the machine supplies the organ with oxygenated blood and nutrients, and it can, it also performs tests to check that the liver is going to be functional when it's transplanted into the patient. So, oh, what oh, point good. in the development are they now? Then are they? It's developed. It's being it's it, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is it just for livers, or could it be rolled out for other organs? Um, there are there are devices for kidneys that this um, organox. I don't think have got any have, have uh, on their website. They don't mention okay. um, use for any other organs, but there are. Uh, there is a device for a perfusion of a kidney that kind of works in a similar way. I think that's an American device. And we talked last time on the podcast about preserving the brain for... Um, we kind of got into a big sci-fi discussion about cryogenics and all the rest oh, of it. Right. But, um, mm. but yeah, they, they think that their science is 
gradually getting closer and closer to the point where you can protect cells and keep cells alive, um, even brain cells, which are... What, outside of the body? Outside of the body, mm. yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, that was so. good. I do remember it from a few years back, so obviously it's good that they're now using it. Yeah, it's been embraced. They've already done a... Um, a man, a patient in India has already had a liver transplant and is... Um, you know, he's out of hospital and he's living a normal, healthy life. So, um, yeah, it's positive steps, but um, uh, one in eight patients who's on a waiting list for a liver currently um, will die before they get the transplant. So, this thing then, yeah. yeah, this yeah, machine is about yeah. kind of reversing that statistic. Mm. Yeah, I like that story. Cool, interesting mm. stuff. Yeah. Who's next? Um, I'll go next. Okay. Uh, not really a story as such. Um, I was at the innovation show yesterday at Aintree Racecourse. How was that? Did you win anything? I did not. <laughs> All my horses lost. Um, it, it was excellent. Really good. Um, really sort of positive talks by the NHS okay. clinicians there. And there was a, a good range of uh, exhibitors as well. Can you remember last year, Dave, when we went to the Chester Racecourse? Yes, yeah, we won a lot of money that day. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit like that, but um, uh, just a lot more relevant, I, 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 would, um, I, would, I would say. Um, some of the big topics were um, data, obviously digital health was big there. Yeah. Um, what was interesting, though, is sort of a lot of the doctors there were talking about collaborations with companies such as uh, In Healthcare and all of those. Okay, our award winners. Our yeah, award winners, yeah, yeah and uh, Lumira. <laughs> Um, DX and uh, Cardia Mobile, the people who do the atrial fibrillation d- device. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. um, and what really struck me was sort of, you know, a year ago reporting on these te- technologies, um, it sort of, it, it, it was amazing that the technologies were coming out, but it was difficult to see where they were going to be yeah. adapted, yeah. Uh, uh, adopted on either, uh, even. Um, and then it's just, it, it seemed yesterday were really sort of keen to work with so these different suppliers. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that struck out uh, to me was there were no talks on cybersecurity. Okay. Um, this was interesting because NHS Digital had just announced uh, a new £150 million scheme for cybersecurity over the next few years to sort of uh, get rid of all the you know, PCs using Windows mm. XP and stuff and yeah. to um, really strengthen the, the organisation against sort of uh, cyber attacks. Um, so that was just that was really sort of it was interesting how nobody mentioned that but maybe it was just because there weren't the right pe- pe- people there yeah. to talk about it maybe they've had enough of it <laughs> yeah maybe they're just a bit sick yeah. of it what so that was where there was a museum of failure as well yeah what museum of failure that was a nice title <laughs> um, <laughs> we should rename this podcast <laughs> podcast of failure yeah. <laughs> um, so what a thing to say sorry I've got really horrible looks being thrown at me now. <laughs> a lot of work's been this podcast. I know. I was, it, was a, it was your idea. We even had a little tune, but we can't sing it. <laughs> it was a joke, everybody. I know. Yeah, so the um, Museum of Failure was... It was sort of like... It was, well, it was co-located with the Innovation Show, and um, it, was sort of, it was upstairs to the Exhibition Hall, and it was just showing off a load of health innovations that have failed across the years, so you had sort of like... Lobotomies, um, well, uh, thalidomide. thalidomide. That was yeah. one. Um, there was the NHS. I IT's. think Dave's about to. What's he doing? Vomit. <laughs> Sorry, um, thank you. Dave's lungs are one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. 
So yeah, it was just um, it was just on display. It was just a, a interesting look at sort of historical innovations that That's haven't good. worked out. Um, it it's was, about learning through those failures. Yeah, learning well, through failures, it? yeah. And that's actually what Liz Mayer, um, the chair of the Innovation, mm. Innovation Agency, said. Because um, it's from Sweden, that's where it originated, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So do you remember when we went to MDM West? Yes, I told... I was what was this that concert. called? That was, you're thinking of MDM East, but it was called the... I'm just going to correct you on that loop. Yeah. Sorry, wrong side of the country. <laughs> Museum of Curiosities. That's right, yeah, and they had some interested contract. Well, this one had um, the first vibrator designed to oh. treat hysteria in women. Yeah, we wrote about that, didn't we? We yeah. did a piece on it. It was a film. Yeah, yeah. We, we had this conversation yeah. this morning, didn't we? <laughs> and they had the device there. So, If anybody, if that speak, um, piqued anyone's interest who's listening to the Ooh. podcast, that film <laughs> is about the development of the first sex, like, se- well, yeah, first well, dildo, basically. Yeah, it was used to, to stop women being hysterical, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Well, what was the film? There is a film. I can't think of it. It's called Hysteria. Hysteria. Oh, is it called Hysteria? Yeah, with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, and it's got, um, what's it called? Rupert Everett, you said, wasn't it, as well? You, you Dancy, did you say? Yeah. Was it the Dancy? Yeah. yeah. And uh, My Fair Lady. Come on, you know what I mean. Loving. No. Um, <laughs> oh, this is not great for the not, podcast. Not Audrey it? Hepburn. No. <laughs> what's it called? Oh well, no, this is dead. I've never seen it. No, I don't know. Anyway, um, so, so that, that was there, was it? Yeah, that uh, was a pretty nasty looking device. Oh. Was it? Oh yeah, it was huge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> How much of this podcast are we going to have left after it, the it end? So, it sort of just looked like a rock on a stick. If I tell you. <laughs> oh, God. A rock. Well, of course, well, it was, like I think it was the actual... Gibraltar or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was called. Yeah, so it was... I should have took a picture, but... Yeah, you... Uh, I was sort of focused on the ones that were, were relevant. <laughs> Wincing too much at the thought of it. So it was like... I can't describe it. It was a bit like a whisk. Oh, like t- oh God! <laughs> That, that you, that you turn the handle. It could have been a multi-purpose device. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do your puddings afterwards. Oh, this is right. really, anybody? I don't think we can publish oh, this podcast. We talked about we talked about poo the other week. Yeah, well, you did. We did. So yes. it's not too. Well, I'm glad you've actually seen that device. Well, that, that, I suppose yeah. that links <laughs> that links quite well. List. Yeah. That links quite well to uh, the topic of my uh, discussion today. Is it clean? <laughs> I have to um, say, this is the best story of the year so far. I don't know what it is. You don't. You, you weren't around. I think you were on a show when this, oh, okay. this story was in the office. So, well, so was I. Uh, you sent it to me on the email. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you yeah. Were, yeah. So, okay, um, yeah. Reese uh, actually <laughs> found this story about this a, well me. <laughs> <laughs> a young man um, who claims that taking um, a painkiller, a, a very commonly used painkiller called uh, pregabalin um, or Lyrica, made him gay, apparently. That was the side effect. Uh, he's been <laughs> on... Uh, That's a pretty big side effect. <laughs> a pretty big side effect, yeah. Um, actually w- went on to some television programmes yeah. as well to discuss it, I believe. This morning, yeah. Um, so that got me thinking, you know, <laughs> is this common does this happen to other people i think really obviously he is gay yeah and he took it didn't he yeah and then it does inhibit your behavior so he obviously lost yeah 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 yeah, and that's the other thing 
So he took it, he, fa- he said it made him gay, and then he stopped taking it. Is that right? Uh, yes, he did. Because he had a girlfriend, and then he decided he did want to yes. be gay. So he's taken it, he's gone back on to taking it so that he can... Yeah, he said that after a couple. He said a couple of weeks after taking it. That's quite. He didn't tragic, find his girlfriend attractive yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's quite tragic that he feels he has to take the medication to live. Well, he's the obviously. Way he wants to live. Well, I'm not obviously, but su- the suggestion to me is that he's been denying his sexuality. Well, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah. that's yeah. it. He says yeah. yeah, yeah. So he stopped taking the drug, so but like, went back on it because it it makes him feel more liberated. Yeah. And at ease with his sexuality. Yeah, a yeah. therapist would say this is some sort of transference or something. Mm. I guess. So it's like using it as a placebo to. Yeah, placebo or yeah, some kind of. You know, people need some, sometimes people need something physical to relate to to mm. to mm. deal with stuff. That, to deal with the emotional. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'd like, quite like to know anyone else who's taken that. That specifically, yeah, yeah because I, I looked at some of the other examples that I found were for different drugs. Oh, were they? For different, yeah, so there was um, back in, um, when was this, 2012, um, a man who was taking a treatment from GlaxoSmithKline for Parkinson's called Rakeep um, was actually awarded by, by the French Appeals Court um, nearly €200,000 um, from the company because he claimed that the drug made him um, addicted to gambling and gay sex. And they have actually GlaxoSmithKline, which is, it feels bad to laugh about it, but GlaxoSmithKline, <laughs> GlaxoSmithKline have actually got on their um, side effects because I looked it up after I found this story. The, you know, you can find the yeah. side effects, like the prescribing yeah. information. Mm-hmm. And it actually does say may cause... Um, you know, intense feelings or, or yeah, sexual urges mm. um, and uh, urges to gamble and things like this. Um, because urges to gamble is a really it's weird so one. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that... But I wonder if they had to put that side effect on after the story yeah, came. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but it is, and it says, you know, if you or your family notice any of these, contact your GP, basically, because, you know, it could be the drug. And there's another one that was published in Stamp in 2016 about an antipsychotic drug, Abilify, um, which also caused uncontrollable urges to gamble and have sex. Wow. So... Well, that uh, drug name rings a bell. Does it? Yeah. Something yeah. Uh, else. It's for schizophrenia. So, aripiprazole? No, it's the Abilify. Okay. Well, I can't remember what it was. <clears throat> So um, they actually the US FDA um, issued a warning about that one and told people to stop taking it. So apparently it is more common <laughs> so than you originally yeah. think. Could, reported uncontrollable urges to gamble, binge eat, shop, have and have sex. sex. Well, binge eating is quite a common thing with certain medications. Yeah, isn't it? yeah that, that, that one so, seems a little bit more right. logical. Yeah. As, the gambling mm. is the strange one, and yeah, gambling. But maybe it's that it's that loss of con- it's like because with gambling you have a certain thing in your mind, don't you, that tells you to not yeah you know to cut that so off. I suppose yeah. it's an so inhibition it's thing, isn't it's it? Obviously, working on that part, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you become less inhibited, and that links into the sex side and sexuality side. I'd love to see the sort of American advert for that for drug. Yeah. Side effects oh, with all the Always. But yeah, so that was that was interesting to uh, to see all the, the 
So it's more common than you think. Which would I you find take quite if if it was prescribed to you? Would you think you would take it if you thought it might create a gambling problem? Well, yeah, it's obviously it doesn't affect everybody, does it? You know, <laughs> but I suppose if you know that it's got that potential, then you would. Yeah. Be you know you'd have a sort of acute awareness about it, and maybe if it did start, if you did start putting a load of money on the horses, you'd maybe go mm, hang on a minute. Yeah. Mm. Well, it only takes one person to act strangely with a drug, and mm. you've got a court case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this guy got paid out for it yeah. um, in France. So. So can we just go back to the first guy because mm. yeah. um, I, I believe he's. Um, doesn't the story state that he's, he's gone on a date down south or something? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Apparently he's on, he's on um, he a dating north? website. Plenty of fish, is it? Yes. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. But aren't they hundreds of miles apart? Yeah, yeah. But he's yeah. really looking forward to seeing him. Yeah. Seeing him. Yeah. That is, yeah. <laughs> Just that thought it would end on a nice note. Yeah. That's all. Oh, do you know what? It could have a really happy ending. He might have been oh. crossing yes, his true self for years two and years. people together. And, yeah. Well, that's it for this episode of the Med Talk podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. That's 10 episodes under our belt. Hopefully many more to come.